Hey church family, Pastor Dan here. Hey, today we have a very special message that we're gonna be sharing with you. This is actually a message that I taught at our January uh, 2022 team night. And this message, uh, normally for our team nights, it's just for our volunteers, just for our staff, but I specifically feel like this one needed to be shared publicly with, with, um, with everyone, and here's why. Uh, I believe God has given me a specific word for our church for 2022. And in this word, I'm believing that God is getting ready to do some amazing things through our church. And I know this, that there's a lot of people that are in the Tulsa area that watch our YouTube or listen to our podcast who maybe you've been feeling prompted to come and to physically show up and check out and maybe even be a part of Abide Church. And I'm praying that as you listen to this message, that God is going to confirm that prompting in you because I'm telling you, God is about to do some amazing things and continue to do amazing things, but even more so in 2022. Maybe you're not even in the Tulsa area. Maybe you're in Oklahoma or maybe you're, we have people listening and watching from all over the country. If that's you, I pray that this would also confirm in your heart that you are that God is calling you and prompting you to come and to just take a step towards being a part of Abide Church. And so my challenge for you is this, as you listen to this, if God's prompting you to come and to be a part, my challenge for you is this, if you're in the Tulsa area, come and check it out on a Sunday morning. If you're not in the Tulsa area, man, reach out to us, start the conversation, say, hey, this message was for me. And I, I just, I, I wanna reach out and, and start the conversation of what, what it might look like uh, to be a part of Abide Church moving forward. And so, man, I pray this message blesses you personally, but I also pray that it puts some expectation in you as to what God's about to do in 2022 for our church. I love you. Enjoy the message. So here's what I want to do is I want to just kind of recap a little bit where we've been. Uh, you know, in February of 2020 is when we officially kind of took over this building. And I say took over in the sense of a total God thing. Like there's no other explanation besides um, we see Noah's event venue go out of business, and that next week we're without a place to meet, without a place to gather. And I know I've shared this story, but I always like to, to recap it a little bit and remind us of it. Uh, you know, we were without a place to meet, and we, we looked at so many different event venues. We looked at places, I mean, everywhere from Owasso to downtown Tulsa to Broken Arrow, like we were everywhere looking at event venues. Where are we going to have church? And the Thursday after that, or the very next week, basically, God just put on my heart, come pray for the building. And so that's what we did. We came over, I laid hands in the building. It was super cold that day. And I prayed for the building and I felt like God put on my heart, hey, walk, if you walk around the building seven times, I'll give it to you. And so, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that seems a little cheesy, right? Like, I don't know, is that God or am I just being super spiritual, right? And so, uh, but in my mind, I also thought, it can't hurt, right? What can it hurt just to, to put God to the test if it is God. So I walked around once. It was freezing cold. I got back in my car and I was like, I think that's good enough. And uh, I felt in my heart, God just say, walk around it seven times. I'll give you the building. So I got out. I finished my laps. And on the last lap, as I was getting in my car right up front, right over here, uh, God put on my heart. Expect, he just said, expect a phone call. And within 10 minutes, I was getting a phone call from a California number um, that wasn't, you know, potential spam or anything like that. It was a California number calling me and it was the owner who represents a group of investors, the owner of the building, saying, hey, I see you guys are using the building. want to let you continue to use it until we figure out what we're going to do with it. And so um, 
pretty amazing that that day he gave me the, the codes to the door and said, hey, go in, set up church, use it this weekend. And uh, as I got to know him a little bit more, I just said, hey, if we take care of the building, if we clean it, you know, if we pull some of the weeds and take care of it a little bit, can we leave our stuff set up? Uh, since no one else is using the building. And he was like, yeah, I think that sounds like a pretty good trade-off. And so uh, we have been blessed. There are very few churches that have been able, that are our size and how old we are, that have been able to meet in a beautiful space like this that is set up for church and that we're able to use in such a amazing way that we're not set up and tear down. I mean, uh, that along with the price, um, he didn't change the price and the price that we were paying to Noah's was a price we were paying for two little rooms on the other side over here. He didn't change the price. He said, we're going to keep the price the same. And so um, we've been paying that same price for all, all of this time. And so God has been so faithful. And I know a lot of you have, have asked me about this and maybe you've noticed this, but they've officially listed this, this building uh, for sale or for lease. And uh, there's a big sign. Luckily, it's not right out front. It's on the side over here. But in that, as that, as that sign went up and as the, the owner was telling me, hey, we're officially we're ready to look for somebody to have it, you know, full time. Um, and just knowing the price that they're asking for, there's two different things. The first one is to buy it. Uh, now, initially, I thought, man, it'd be cool to buy it from them. I think they really want to sell it to us. Um, but there's a few things to consider. Number one is this is a beautiful space but it's not a very big space. <laughs> we can outgrow this space very, very quickly. The other thing is we're landlocked here. There's no, even if we did outgrow it and we bought the property, uh, we don't have enough parking to uh, get rid of some parking to add onto the building or to do an addition. So it's not really a wise move for us to purchase it in that sense. The other side of it is that they want over $2 million for it because it's fully furnished. And so though that is nice, uh, I'm not about to put our church, which is a year and a half old, I'm not about to put us $2 million uh, in debt. Now, if God wants to hand, hand us $2 million or they want to give it to us, that's a different conversation, right? But I'm not going to put us $2 million in debt. That's not a wise decision at this stage um, in our church or in our ministry. The other side of it is, is to become the full-time lease, to take over that way. That's intriguing initially to be able to put our name on the front and, and kind of make it our own a little bit more and, and do a little bit of remodel if we wanted to. Um, but the price, again, it's fully furnished. The price that they're asking is uh, about six or seven times more uh, than what we're currently paying per month. And so, again, it's not a wise financial decision. Now, is this a great location? Is it a beautiful building? Absolutely. But here's what this encourages me in, in this, is that I know that if God has brought us here, and if he's provided this miracle of a building for us to have this space basically as our own for this amount of time, I know that whatever our next step is, it's not going to be a step backwards. So I, I'm expectant in the fact that whatever God, whatever door he opens next, and we're kind of looking to see if there's any properties, if there's something that maybe we can take over as a lease or something like that. We're kind of, you know, doing our part to make sure that we're ready to, if somebody um, buys this place or leases out this place, it could be a year from now, six months from now, or six weeks from now, whatever it might be. If someone does that, that we're ready to do whatever God needs us to do. But um, I say all that to say, whatever our next step is, it's going to be better. And so I would encourage you, as you pray for our, our church, pray for that. God, I thank you that you open the door for whatever's next for us, whether that's right now or whether that's, it could be a while in the future. But I'm believing we're coming into a year in 2022 that God is going to do some supernatural things on our behalf. Um, and here's, here's why I say that as well. Back in October, October 22nd, 
uh, in my prayer time, God gave me a word for our church, um, and, and it was kind of a long word. I just began to sit. I was out walking, and I sat on this bench, and I just began to write in the notes in my phone, and this is what I wrote down. This is what God gave me for our church. October 22nd, 2021, God said this. He was speaking to me, and he said, we have been in a wilderness season as a church. Our temporary time in Noah's, meaning the Noah's building, has been a part of, has been a time of living in tents and surviving by manna, that we've had just enough to get by, not a ton of excess and not malnourished. I say that to say that speaks a little bit behind the scenes as far as where we've been financially and even, even uh, size-wise, that we've had God has blessed us with a great core group of people where we have had everything that we've, we've needed. We haven't been living in abundance where we're just rolling in cash, but we haven't been malnourished either. Everything we've needed has been provided for. Um, so that rang true with my spirit. I knew this was God speaking. He said this, now it is time to lead the people into the land which I am giving them. And here's the big statement right here. The, the final thing was this, pack the tent, possess the land. Pack the tent, possess the land. They may say, Pastor Dan, what does that mean? I don't know totally, but I'm believing this, that God is saying we need to start preparing for some supernatural and exponential growth in our church. And in order to do that, we have to do our part. We got to be ready. God is not going to steer or to move a parked car. He is expecting us to be moving so that he can guide us where he has us to go next. And so here's what I want to do tonight. Really quickly, and I, I, I want to talk about this tonight. I want to talk about three outcomes when you step into a wilderness season. And so tonight's going to be a little different. Tonight, I'm, I don't have any awards to give out. I don't have, uh, you know, different other announcements. Here's what I want to do tonight. I feel like specifically God put this message, uh, just a brief message here on my heart for our church, but I'm also believing that for our team and for uh, the individuals of our church that this will speak true to you individually. Because no matter what you do for God, whether, whether you are a housekeeper, whether you are um, a CEO, whether you own your own business, no matter what you do for God, everything that you put your hand to is for God, no matter what you do, when you step into your greatest calling, there's always a season of wilderness before it. There's always a season. You look at any times God used somebody to do something great in his word, there was always a season of wilderness before it, even Jesus himself. He's baptized, and the first thing he does is the Spirit leads him to the wilderness to what? To be tempted, to be tried, to stand true so that he can come back and step into his greatest purpose. And so you may find yourself in a wilderness season right now, but I'm going to speak specifically to us as a, as a church. And so the thing is this. I'm going to dive into this. There are three outcomes when you step into a wilderness season. The first one is this. The first outcome is that you turn back. And here's what I want to do is I want to look at the story of the children of Israel and Moses leading them out of Egypt into the promised land. In the process from getting from Egypt to the promised land, there's a few, there's a few verses we're going to look at. But the first option is this. You're going to be tempted to turn back. Because when you walk by faith, it gets difficult. You must learn to trust God. And hopefully you know that by now. Let's look at a verse in Exodus 16, 1-3. It says this. One month after leaving the land of Egypt, there too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. They said, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. They moaned. There we sat around pots filled, filled with meat, and we ate all the bread we wanted. Come on, meat and bread, somebody. Here we go. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. 
when God calls you to greater, when God calls you to your greatest purpose, you're going to be tempted. It's going to get uncomfortable when you step out. And the first temptation is to turn back to what was comfortable. I would ra- they said, I would rather go back to slavery, and I would rather you just killed us in slavery, where at least we had meat and bread. Think about that. They're willing to die for comfort, meat and bread. In the wilderness, I am completely reliant on God, and I am forced to put my entire trust in Him. In the wilderness, the water doesn't come from where I think it is. The water comes from rocks, <clears throat> and the food shows up on the ground every morning. It doesn't come the way that I think it's going to come. There's a lot of by faith actions in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, your relationship with God either grows because you lean into it and you trust God more, or in the wilderness, it will be choked out by the cares and the worries of this life. And that's when you turn back. Either you lean into God in your relationship or you turn around and you say, you know what? It's too hard. And it's too hard for me. I'm out. And we turn back. That's, that's option one when it comes to the wilderness. Option two is this. You get distracted. And can I tell you, in America, this is the number one thing that keeps people from what God is calling them to do. As churches and as individuals, you get distracted. Let's look at it. We're going to skip to Exodus 32. It says this. Uh, this is when Moses is up on the mountain talking to God. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. They said, come on, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Make us some gods who can lead us. Here's what happens. They say, <laughs> they get out there. And they say, God, we've been out here for a while, and we haven't seen the promise yet. In the wilderness, God's timing is not your timing. And that's what makes you get distracted. God's timing is not your timing, and you will find yourself saying, God, what's taking you so long? Anybody ever be honest and had that question before, asked that question? My hand's up, yeah. God, what's taking you so long? You said we were going here. You promised this. Why don't I see it? And we begin to question God. Why? Why have you brought me here? What's taking so long? You get distracted from your calling when you take matters into your own hands. So this is what happens, right? I know, so let's do an example personally. You may say, I know that God's called me to be in this line of work. But you have all these closed doors. Like, there's no open doors. You keep trying, you keep applying, you keep going, and you're knocking on, and no one's opening a door for you to step into that line of work. And so, what you say is, you say, God, you're not opening any doors, so I'm just gonna go do it myself. And so, you go and you force your will and you force your, um, your job opening basically in someone's company. You say, Hey, I'm here, and they hire you, and you say, I'm gonna go here, and then God can bless me. I know He's called me to do it, I'm just gonna go get the job. Now, there's a balance between what we need to do and, and God blessing it. But we can only operate in God's timing. We can only operate in God's timing. We get distracted when it's taking longer, and we force our will, and we don't submit to God's will. We force our will, and we don't submit to God's will. 
This, is, this happens when we no longer are open-handed with and allowing God to lead you. We begin to lead ourselves. Well, I think, this is why in James it says, it says don't, don't say we are, we're going to go do that. He said you need to pray God's will be done in your life. We begin to lead ourselves. The other thing is this. You begin to search for security, for safety, and for comfort. It's the same thing. God, this has taken too long. God, this is testing me too much. God, this is too difficult. This is too hard. I'm just going to go do it myself. You know, whenever Leslie and I were in, in Kansas City, I had a, a moment like this whenever I was, we were pastoring a church, and it wasn't, we weren't making enough to pay the bills, and so I was like, I got to get, I just need to get a job. Well, inside this job, obviously, I, I went and I worked at Chick-fil-A, Lord's Chicken, come on, somebody, and loved the company, loved my owner-operator, like, seriously, I could not ask for a better team, a better boss. It was, it was a perfect setup for me. But in it, because I was so uh, desperate to see some success in my life, I went all in in a job, and I didn't go all in with my calling. Meaning this, I begin to switch modes from I'm a full-time pastor and I have a part-time job at Chick-fil-A to I am full-time at Chick-fil-A on my road, on the road to being an owner-operator someday, and I just pastor on the side. And God convicted me and stopped me right in my tracks one day, and he said, this is not what I've called you to do. There's a difference between my job and a calling. Sometimes your job, that's the ideal, right? We pursue it so that my, my job is my calling. I'm doing what God's called me to do. But I was in the ditch of forcing my hand. I got distracted. And because I was distracted, it was the same way as the, the, the children of Israel saying to Aaron, make us some gods that will lead us. We, we think they're foolish for doing this. Make us some gods, but that's what we do. They were looking for gods for what? Comfort, for guidance, for security, who's taking care of us. That's what we do with jobs, with relationships. We force it, and God's saying, no, that's not what I have for you. Be patient, son. Be patient, daughter. But what are we doing? We're forcing it, and we're raising up idols in our lives. And our idols aren't golden calves. They are jobs and relationships and, and different things in our lives. We get distracted. But here's the third outcome, and this is where we're going as a church. The third one is this. You experience the promise. You experience the promise. And we see all of this in the journey of the children of Israel, right? We see them, we see them tempted to go back too hard. I'm out, right? We see them get distracted. I don't know where this fellow Moses went, but give us, make us a God that will lead us until finally we get to Joshua. And Joshua is the one who's going to lead them into the promised land. And so I'm going to read a few verses here. And here's what it says. Joshua 1, starting in verse 3. It says this, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. I have given you. Remember that. We'll come back to that. As I said to Moses, From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. In verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the, to the right or to the left, 
that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And finally, verse 9, this is the one most of us have memorized, right? Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You make it to the promise. This is where we're going as a church. He said, pack the tents, possess the land. I think that means a lot more than we think it means, and I think if God revealed to us what exactly that means for our church, I think that it would uh, put a healthy weight and fear of, whew, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> but here's what I want to say. There's three things in this passage, though, within, within point three. I got another three little mini points for you is this. How do, we, how do we truly do it? He breaks it down in three things. First is this. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. God, here's what's amazing. God guarantees success because of his presence. God guarantees success because of his presence. God doesn't guarantee success because I have worked my way into a perfect place. That's pride. God guarantees success because of his presence, meaning I've walked with God and I've worked hard with God doing everything unto him and now he can bless it with success. He says God is with you and here's what's amazing. He's ahead of you. The very first, in Joshua 1, verse 3, it says, Every place you put your foot, I have given you. Have given. It's already done. Many times we forget that God is in tomorrow. <laughs> right? God's in tomorrow. We're str- that's why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own stuff to worry about. God is in tomorrow, and he sees what's happening tomorrow, and he's saying, I'll meet you there. He's not, saying, he's not saying good luck in tomorrow. He's saying everywhere you put your foot, I already have given you. How much faith does that put in us to believe for more tomorrow? Because God is with me tomorrow. He's, he's not struggling to catch up to me. When I walk with him, he's with me, and he's already ahead of me tomorrow. And the next thing he says is this, no man can stand against you. This is what they said, this is what they said uh, to the, uh, the first church, to the apostles, Right? They're, they're, they're talking and they're going back and forth. All the religious leaders are trying to figure out, are these guys legit? Was Jesus legit? Did we mess up? And here's what one of them speaks up and he says, look, if the plan is of man, it will fail. But if the plan is of God, there's nothing you can do to stop it. And this is exactly what God reiterates to Joshua. No man can stand against you. Meaning this, as a church, we're going to face some times that are going to be tough. We're going to face some situations where it feels like people are opposing us. But Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. There's going to be times where we are are striving for more, and it feels like people are standing against us. But God's promise is this. There may be people standing, but no one can resist you or keep you from the promise. And the last one is this. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He's with you. So we talked about this past week. Even when you're going through your most disappointed time that you've ever been in your life, where was Jesus to the two disciples? Right next to them. Listening and talking. That's where God is. That's where God is. The second one is this, walk in obedience. 
Walk in obedience. He said, don't turn to the left or to the right, that you may prosper wherever you go. Walk in obedience. When I walk in obedience, it leads to prosperity and favor in every area of our life. And that's what we're committed to. Hopefully, we all know that by now. But this is the only book that we're sold out to here to Abide Church. You may notice, I don't quote, uh, I quote very few other pastors or very few other authors, if ever, because this thing has all the answers. Now, there may be some other takes on it. There may be some other perspectives that I like to share from time to time. But this is everything. And because of that, God's word promises in order to get from the wilderness season to the promised land to what he has next for us as a church and for you individually, we must walk in obedience to this, sold out to this. And that's why here in a few weeks, we're going to do an entire series just about this. The power of this, what this means to us, how this can work in your life, um, how it can work in your family, how it can change your family tree. We're going to dive into that here in a few weeks. Walk in obedience. And the last thing is this, continually speak God's word. I talk about this a lot, but we gotta, we've, we've got to get this as Christians in America. We've got to understand that our words mean so much more than we think. It truly is life and death. He says this in verse 8, a little ahead. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. The word meditate in Hebrew is to be actively reciting. It's not sitting in a corner making some weird humming noise, right? Meditate originally in context is to be actively reciting, or another way of saying it is to be re-speaking God's word. God breathed this and spoke it, and now I get to breathe it and speak it into existence. I'm re-speaking, that's meditating. I'm re-speaking God's word. And he says, when you do that, when you meditate, then you will observe it. I walk in obedience to it. Why? I'm speaking it over my life. I see the fruit of it. I see the success of it in my life. Speaking plus doing equals prosperity and success. It'll lead you to the promised land. So here's what I'll say. I know I threw a lot of stuff at you tonight, but... I say all that to say, God said this to me in October 22nd, 2021. We've been in a wilderness season as a church. Our temporary time in Noah's has been a time of living in tents. It's, not temp- it's, not, it's a temporary thing. It's not a permanent home. We've been surviving by manna, just enough to get by, not excess, not malnourished. But now is the time to lead the people into the land which I am giving them. Pack the tent possess the land. Pack the tent, possess the land. Abide Church, (laughs) Abide Church's best days are our next days. They're right in front of us. And here's what's amazing, is when you're a part of this community, you you can declare the same thing for your life. That's for your family, for you as individuals, that your best days are your next days. This is why it's important to be a part of a faith-filled, spirit-filled church. Because God speak things, speaks things over a church body, and as you're a part of that body, you get to declare that as well. 
you get to say, yes, I feel like I'm in a wilderness season and I feel like I should just turn back. I would rather go die in slavery to some job or some place that I don't belong, but at least it's, at least I have comfort there. At least I know where my next meal's coming from there. But God's saying, if you would just wait in my timing, I'll show you where to go. Your best days are right in front of you. You see, the process of the wilderness is so necessary because of this. Even for the children of Israel, it's a 40-day journey, but it took 40 years. If they would have went in 40 days, they wouldn't have been prepared for the battles in the, in the promised land. You know what God did in the wilderness? He shaped them, he molded them, and he trained them to represent him well as they walked in, which is what? Warriors. Warriors. If they, 40 days was not, a, not enough, not long enough for them to lose their identity as slaves and go in as conquerors. It wasn't enough. And yeah, they're complaining. It, 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 it prolonged it and their attitude prolonged it, but God used all of it for his glory and for his victory. That's why I'm excited as God has said, this is the year of revival for us. It's the year of revival. It starts in me, and as of right now, this weekend, I'm going to talk about revival in us. How does revival start in our church as a group? It's the year of revival. So here's our action steps. We have some action steps as a church. The first thing we're going to do is this. is um, Eddie, before you, oh, you already got them up there. I'm going to go to this then. These are, these are your action steps. As the members of Abide Church, here's what I'm asking you to do. Two simple things. I have, a week, I have a daily action step and a weekly. The first one is this, daily, is to pray. Commit to praying every day for this church. Commit to praying every day for me. Commit to praying that God would use this church in a mighty way to do miraculous things and to impact not just our community, but the nation and the world. That God would do something here that would light a fire everywhere that we go pray daily. The second one is to invite weekly. Invite one person a week or one family a week. That's what I'm asking. That's why we have these invite cards, right? Clear out these tables if you need to. It could be your waitress or waiter. It could be a neighbor. It could be somebody you've already invited. Invite. Because too many times I think we show up on Sunday, and I've been guilty of this. I show up on Sunday wondering, I wonder who's going to be here today rather than showing up on Sunday saying, I know who's going to be here today because I've invited this person, this person, and this person. I've been texting them. I saved them a seat, and I know who's coming today. I'm expecting to fill up my table today. Invite. The other part of inviting is looking around your table on Sundays and seeing who's not plugged into the A-team. Who's been sitting and not doing, sitting and just, just consuming and walking out. I would pray that our church would be a place that that would make people feel uncomfortable, that they would come and consume and leave while everyone else does all the work. They need to find a different place to go to church. The calling is too great for the bride of Christ to be lazy and to not be active and moving and serving. And so look around as you and invite people to serve on your team. Say, hey, come serve. Come join me and the kids. Come join me. Serve with me. Help me hold the door open. Help me pass out cards to people. Come serve with me. Make it personal. Invite. 
some of the action steps for us as a church. One of the biggest ones is this, is we're going to start a new giving fund that we're just calling a house fund. We'll get this going this sometime this week. Brooks is, <laughs> Brooks is shouting me down. He's fine. He's fine. I love it. Um, this, we're going to start something we're just calling a house fund. We might, we might rename it later. I don't know. But here's what the house fund is for. And we'll, we'll give more updates as we officially get this launched. But it will be a place for all of us if you want to give towards this house. It's not going to missions. It's not going to payroll. It's not going to, to any of that stuff. It's for this house, meaning this. And the first thing is for our updates. One of the things that we need is we need $13,000 for a new sound system. I don't know if you know it or not, but we max this thing out every single Sunday. Uh, it may sound nice and loud, but the quality, uh, it's at the point where it's like at any given Sunday, these speakers could, they could go out and our system could go out. The other thing is this, positioning us for growth as we start to add other communicators, as we might start to add live worship or something like that down the road. We want to be at a place where we can trust our system that it's not going to uh, malfunction. Now, we'll still have church if it malfunctions, right? But uh, we're going to raise $13,000. That'll be in the house fund. Another thing is this, updating our camera so that we, we have quite a few people that watch online, uh, you know, during the week, but updating where we have an actual quality video to give them where they can actually see the points on here, it's not, uh, you know, it doesn't look like it's from 1990 or anything like that, but updating our camera. And the other part of it is this, setting aside that stuff that goes into this will be set aside for our future building, for a future down payment or for future renovations or for future needs that come up. And so it'll be a separate thing outside of our tithe and our offering. It'll be a house fund and I'll have more info as we get closer to that. But a house fund set aside for us so that we can begin to pack the tent and when we have the opportunity, we are able to possess the land. Lastly is this, and then, then we're going to worship and then we'll dismiss. As I was praying earlier this week, I was listening to somebody and they were talking about, I don't know why, okay, why they were talking about this, but they were talking about Chinese bamboo, like the big bamboo, okay? I don't, I don't know what I was listening to, but they were talking, bear with me here. The Chinese bamboo the first four years of the plant's life is no growth that you can see. All of the growth is under the soil. And so for four years, think about this, the farmer by faith for four years fertilizes and waters this area of dirt, not knowing for sure if anything is really growing, if the root system is really doing anything under the dirt. But in year five, they begin to grow. And in year five, in the fifth year, in, within six weeks, the Chinese bamboo, it grows 90 feet in six weeks. That's basically over two feet a day. You can literally almost watch it grow that quick. Leslie and I have been, as I heard that, I feel like God was just speaking to me and, and just reminding me that Leslie and I, four years ago is when we stepped out of our comfort zone and into this ministry opportunity to, to be lead pastors. And we've, we've done that in several different places, but over four years, there's been a lot of by faith moments that we've been by faith watering some dirt and by faith, we've been fertilizing some dirt and by faith, we've been looking to see if anything is growing and we've seen some stuff. God's moved, 
but I'm here to tell you that God spoke to me in that and he just said, year five is where you're walking into. And year five, you can expect the exponential growth that you can see with your own eyes, just like the Chinese bamboo. And it just, between that word this week and what God put on my heart in October and then what God put on my heart at the end of November into December about revival, all of it confirms one another. All of it confirms the next. God is saying, prepare yourself because we're going somewhere. Amen? Man, our best days are our next days. Here's what we're going to do. I'm excited. Are you guys excited for that? Man, come on. Brooks, <laughs> he's excited. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And then as always, as we wrap up tonight, we're going to take a time. We're just going to worship one worship song. And during this worship song, we're just going to rejoice. We're going to sing that song by Elevation. Um, it's called Do It Again. And I'm just encouraging you just singing out. Singing out for your life. Singing out for this church. And then after that song, I'm gonna, I'll wrap us up in prayer and then we'll dismiss. Would you stand to your feet though? Let me, let me pray to close this out. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Jesus, thank you for your direction. Thank you for leading us as the head of this church. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's involved in this church, that's giving us wisdom and insight, that's leading us. God, I thank you that your word and the words that you've spoken to, to me and to our team, that it's true. God, we receive it and now we are expectant to see it come to pass. We are anxiously waiting to see it come to pass. God, as we are, have been in this wilderness season and as we have trusted you, we haven't turned back, we haven't quit, we haven't quit on you, we haven't turned our back on you, we haven't gotten distracted by other things or other programs in our church or other things that we could be doing. We've listened to your voice. We've stayed focused on you. And God, I thank you that you are now going to lead us and be faithful to your word and lead us into the place that you have for us. Not what we have or what we think would be great, but what do you have, God? That's where we submit. That's where we submit. And God, I thank you that the words you've spoken to me, that this is truly bamboo season this year. I thank you, Lord, that we are going to see exponential growth in salvations and in healings and in people taking their next step and in baptisms and people receiving their prayer language. God, I thank you that this year is a year of revival. You're going to do more than we could ever imagine or expect. God, we're excited. Tonight, Lord, as we receive this word, we worship you. We worship you with expectation. And God, as we see these things begin to come to pass, Lord, we are going to be so careful to give you all the glory for it and say, look what God did. Look what God did. We love you, Lord. We worship you tonight in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Let's worship, and then we'll dismiss.